SAFM. Thanks, Stephen. Yes, indeed, you're listening to Otherwise, the woman's show here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Kim Winter. I'm in for Shadow Twala, who will be back again in the seat from Monday. The team with me today is Hazel Makazeni and Lance Andrews. Well, we have a jam-packed lineup today. Lots of cool things to do or think about for a Friday afternoon, I believe. And if you want to get in touch, please do so. Drop us a line on otherwise at safm.co.za and let us know your thoughts, ask us questions, or even send us some story ideas. Well, first up on the show today, we get one of our favorite gardening experts back to share her green tips and to help get your green fingers into gear. Today, we're specifically looking at how to maximize small spaces. We'll be looking at vertical gardening intensive gardening and how to do it all without depleting the soil and that's with Jane Griffiths she joins us shortly we also talked to Playhouse CEO and Artistic Director Linda Bugosini about the four widely acclaimed theatre productions on at the moment at the Playhouse Company as part of a special November season to celebrate 20 years of democracy in South Africa and then we catch the tail end of Whiskey Live currently taking place in Santon otherwise on SAFM well, once a month we get our gardening fix with renowned gardening author Jane Griffiths. Jane's been growing organic vegetables and herbs for more than 15 years and she shares her advice and ideas in her beautiful book, Jane's Delicious Garden. And Jane is on the line to share her green tips today. Hi, Jane. Hi there. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks so much for joining us today. Mm. Right. So I believe we're talking about maximizing small spaces today. And when you mean, when you say small spaces, do you mean if we've got a small balcony or veranda? Is that what we're talking about today? Not just that. Okay. You know, it's it's a truism of I think particularly vegetable gardening, but perhaps all gardening. No matter what space we have, we run out. Uh, my garden is about sixty square meters. My vegetable garden is about. 60 square meters and I'm always running out of space and I think that even if I had a, a, a small holding I would probably run out of space because I'd always be experimenting with new things and one of the things I started experimenting with quite early on in my gardening journey was starting to grow things in on, on vertical structures and I call it 3D gardening okay. um, and filling my garden with a variety of trellises and tripods and archways and all sorts of things and experimenting with growing things that normally would take up lots of space all those uh, space monsters the things like um, all your marrows for example your gem squash um, butternuts they ramble across meters of ground and they take up so much space but I experimented with growing those vertically. So, I mean, when you think about vertically, I think about you've got even less space to actually grow this thing. How, how do you go about it? I mean, what's your first step if you say you're wanting to grow marrows? How, how do you actually go about that in terms of a vertical structure? Okay, well, the first thing is you look and see what you're wanting to grow vertically. If, you, if you're growing um, something that naturally would grow upwards as a natural climber, for example, beans, climbing beans, pole beans, they're, they're called. They send out tendrils that hook onto things, and they actually are very efficient climbers. So, And they're also quite light. They're not very heavy plants. When they're bearing, the beans aren't incredibly heavy. So you can get away with quite a light temporary structure, something like bamboo, for example. So, so you have to consider what you're growing, and, and then look at creating a structure for that 
accordingly. If you're looking at marrow, something like uh, gem squash or butternut, it's a lot heavier. The actual plant is heavier, the fruit is heavier, so you're going to need quite a sturdy tripod to grow it up against. Um, the other thing to consider is the position of where you're going to put it. Uh, you can put it um, in the middle of the garden, but don't forget that it's going to create a shadow wherever it is. It's going to create a shadow on its southern side. So be careful and look at that and see where you're positioning it so you don't block your precious sunlight because that's something that happens. Also, look at existing spaces. Um, very often you'll have a wall that's sitting there begging to be used. You can put a simple trellis up it and you can grow cherry tomatoes. Again, cherry tomatoes, that's a, a, um, all, you know, all the climbing, the, the indeterminate tomatoes, those the ones that grow and grow and grow without stopping. Those ones grow beautifully up a trellis. And those ones need a little bit of encouragement, as do your gem squashes. They, they, they naturally are climbers in the sense that they send out tendrils and ramble across the ground, but they have to be encouraged to grow up and into a tripod. So you have to kind of check them every few days and say, oh, you get, you know, they'll want to grow out the tripod and back over your garden. So you have to keep on encouraging them to grow back inside the tripod. Okay, and so is that what you mean by intensive gardening, where there's this constant kind of attention that needs to be given, or is intensive gardening something else completely? No, intensive gardening is something else completely. Okay. And, and I make it sound like there's a lot of intensive care given to something like that, but it actually really isn't. It involves a simple little walk through your garden in the morning and just tucking a little stray tendril back in. Mm -hmm. The whole point of, of the way I garden and the way I grow things is that you don't spend a huge amount of time in your garden. Um, unnecessary time and that you maximize the amount of time that you do spend. Uh, intensive gardening is a way of maximizing the amount of ground space that you have by growing as many vegetables as can fit into one one plot, one, one square or one bed that you're growing without reducing the fertility of your, sto your soil. And there's... there's there are a number of ways of doing this and the first one is to use smaller beds and not to step on your soil. We, we spoke about this a couple of months ago about not standing on your soil and what that does is it allows the soil to regenerate and it allows the soil to um, fill up with beneficial organisms which actually help our plants and do work for us. And by doing that and by creating these smaller beds, we can then grow plants that fill the beds. And when they're fully, fully grown, they will all just touch one another and they create a, a moist microclimate underneath them so they retain moisture. Okay. They reduce weeds because the sun can't get to the weeds to, to grow and the seeds, the weed seeds don't germinate. And um, they also, they, they create this wonderful climate for the plants to grow and underneath ground you get more beneficial organisms growing so if you if you're looking at doing something like that maximizing a very small space of, of, of land as such do are, are, there, are there certain vegetables that complement each other that really do grow better together oh yes well once okay. you start growing and, and putting different plants together into one bed that's where magic starts happening you start getting all the benefits of, of, of companion planting where it's not just about one plant helping another plant grow better. There are um, things that scientists are discovering every day about how plants help one another. And it can, it can range from nutrient exchange where you've got these specific family of plants. Uh, they're called nitrogen fixers. And what they do is that they have a beneficial relationship with tiny little microorganisms that live in the soil. 
and they have this symbiotic relationship where the, these microorganisms in the soil feed the plant with nitrogen that they can use and which in turn as humans that we can use it, it converts it into a usable form and in exchange the plant feeds these little, little microbes uh, um, carbohydrates and food and keeps them happy uh, and there are literally hundreds of these kind of relationships that happen in, in gardens that are undisturbed Okay, fascinating. So you can really get a happy little um, micro environment happening there yourself. And and so if you if you don't have great soil, I guess you can go down to a nursery and get yourself some soil. But how do you how do you maintain a happy soil? Um, or if you haven't got such a great little patch of of land, how can you yourself actually get that soil really rich and and ready to to plant your veggies and your and your it, plants it all goes back to adding organic matter to your soil uh, i know in the cape you have very sandy soil and you know people ask me oh i've got very sandy soil what do i do and and then up here a lot of us have got the opposite very clay soil and they say oh i've got such clay soil what do i do and the answer always is add more organic matter incorporate as much organic matter into the soil as you can, as you can. and by that I mean nutrient rich compost um, compost that you've made yourself is so much better because you know what's gone into it as well yes. and you can add nutrient rich plants, things like yarrow for example and comfrey and you can also add manure to it craw manure, horse manure, that kind of thing so that you know you're adding nutrient rich compost and um, you can actually grow green manures as well on top of your soil these are simply plants that are very nutrient rich again something like yarrow some uh, plants like alfalfa uh, buckwheat there, there are lots of plants out there that are very quick growing and you slash them down and they then rot down and they add their nutrients to the soil okay so if you wanted to start this little um patch of of uh, veggie garden what would your advice be in terms of the start and the good veggies to start with Oh, well, beans are mentioned. Beans yeah. are one of the easiest ones, and they're very rewarding because they're really quick. You know, you, you pop a bean seed in the ground, and, and mm. within a few days, up it comes with a nice big bright green leaf, and you can see it, and you sort of go, oh, wow, look at that. Radishes are also really easy. They're, they're simple and easy. Lettuces are surprisingly easy, as are a lot of the leafy greens, things like uh, in winter you um, can try a lot of the Asian greens like bok choy, um, tatsoi, they've all got wonderful names and, and they're lovely to grow and they provide great interest and variety in the garden as well as in our salads. Uh, cherry tomatoes, if you want to start with tomatoes, start with cherry tomatoes rather than the big tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes start bearing earlier and they just are easy to grow and they continue to bear throughout the summer. Um, Herbs are also very easy to grow and to add to your garden things like spring onions, for example. Mm. They're so easy to grow and they're so expensive to buy. Another one that's so easy is rocket. And, you know, I can't remember oh. how much the last time I looked how much a bag of rocket is. Yes, that's so true. And exactly. <laughs> and, and any good, any, any good, well, even not so good vegetable gardener will know that rocket soon turns into a weed. Once you've got it, You've got it. Okay, it's it's not going to let you go, um, Jane. Just a little sort of secret um, about keeping the bugs away, the, the the bugs that are not wanted, the pests. Yes. How do you stop things other than yourself eating your garden? Yes. <laughs> In other words, um, the the first thing is to is to create a balance and 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 also not to panic. 
don't panic at the first sight of bug damage you know an organic vegetable garden is no place for being a perfectionist you are always going to have a few bug bites in because by having a few of the bad bugs you're providing food for the good bugs and it's all about creating a balanced circle where a food chain where we're at the top eating the food something at the bottom has to be being eaten Mm. Brilliant advice, and I'm about to rush out the door and plant me some veggies. Yes, do, do, do. It's a brilliant season for us. And all that information is in Jane's Delicious Garden, the in book. In Jane's that Delicious cool. Garden, and also I have lots of this information. In fact, I've got quite a, I've got quite a bit of info about making tripods on my website, janesdeliciousgarden.com. There's a little section there called Grow Your Own, Tips and Techniques, and people can click through to that. And they can see a step-by-step of, of useful tips of how to grow a tripod, um, how to grow a tripod, how to build a <laughs> tripod, and how to make them ranging from very natural material through to kind of more industrial recycled ones. Lovely. Thank you so much, Jane. We'll have you back on shortly, I'm that's sure. That's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a lovely weekend. You Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's renowned gardener author Jane Griffiths. And if you've got any questions for her, you can email her, jane at janesdeliciousgarden.com. Check out her book, Jane's Delicious Garden, or check out her website, janesdeliciousgarden.com is happening here in South Africa. It's Whiskey Live in Santon, and it's been happening since the 12th and wrapping up tonight, so it's your last chance if you are a whiskey fan. Our question is today, who are these whiskey fans? We've got Liesl Dippenau. She's the marketing manager of Three Ships Whiskey on the line. Hi, Liesl. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. You've been part of the Whiskey Live Festival since the 12th, I believe? Yes, we have been. And how's it been going? It's quite busy. Okay. I have to say a lot of interest um, from all consumers. We've um, seen um, a lot of interest. Um, I also think um, people just want to taste what's happening, what's new, what's limited editions, what's available um, on the market. Mm. Well, before we get to maybe what's the new tastes and trends and things, I think when you think whiskey, you're most likely to think cigar, sort of old man study. It's kind of kind mm. of got a masculine persona. Is that still relevant? That view. Um, we do have a lot of interest. I think there are different styles of whiskey as well. If you look at, we've got South African whiskey that we obviously produce here, which is Three Ships and Bandscape Mountain whiskey. Then you've got um, American whiskey, Japanese whiskey, that's also one of the best blended whiskey in the world. And you, they're all different styles. Some of them I like, some of them are multi grains. So there's a vast majority of different whiskeys coming into the market at the moment. Um, so do you. Is there is is yeah. there is there so are you finding that there are more women whiskey drinkers? I think that's probably the point that, I'm trying to get at. That's actually that's actually what's happening now because of the of, of the difference in um, in variety of consumers can actually find. It's not only that it's single malt like mm. a heavy peaty kind of whiskey. It's also something that's maybe with a more sweeter finish. And I think women definitely tend to like that that much more. So they're definitely much more interested into in the whiskey category. Um, then I think they're used to it. It's become more accessible for them. Just explain, um, um, excuse my ignorance, but when you say single malt, what do you actually mean? Single malt is a whiskey that has been produced at one specific distillery. So that's not a blend from, coming from any okay. other distillery itself, but it's made from, from malt. Okay. So we're finding that there are more and more lighter, fruitier, sweeter whiskies coming into the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes? We do. Um, what we also find is that with consumers, um, especially with, with females and some men as well, I mean, I'm also, obviously, I'm a female, and, and my preference from a whiskey point of view, um, I also find it quite difficult to drink um, the, the heavy single malt, but you also do find women that, 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 that love that particular taste. 
So we've got um, we've got um, Cat Vines Mount um, Vines Cat Mountain Whiskey that we currently are producing. That's a single grain. That's got a more sweeter kind of finish, so it's not as um, as harsh and TCP kind of medicinal taste flowers that you will actually find like you would find on a single malt. So it's more easy drinkable with water. Um, I think what's also been happening with female that I've been experiencing with a mixability of, of whiskey products as well, which um, is perfect for different cocktail styles that they actually do have as well. So the mixability, I think, is, is, is making also whiskey much more accessible than in the past. Okay. And did, why why did you get into whiskey? Why whiskey for you specifically? For me? Yes. <laughs> um, I've, I'm pretty sure I work for, for a big corporate um, company called Estelle, and I've been in, in, on wine side for a long time, on Jaclu and Pongrat, I've been on Niederberg, you name it. And mm. then um, I've got this opportunity about five years ago to actually work on whiskey, and I was... In the beginning, I was um, looking and thinking, oh, you know, I'm made from, 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 from malt and from grain, and, you know, what can this all be like? Yes. And um, so I think that's where the, where the whole interest um, started. And um, after about two years, um, they've asked me to, if I would like another opportunity that actually um, arise, um, to go to Savannah. I was the marketing manager for Savannah now for two and a half years. And... Then again, they said to me, there's a position opening on whiskey because I've always said I would like, love to go back. And um, yeah, so I've been back since the 1st of October um, and I'm super excited. And, and I think what also makes quite exciting for me is that um, the opportunities that within whiskey and we are in such a perfect, perfect spot at the moment with SA Whiskey. And we've, um, been at, we've, we've won two awards over the past two years, the three ships, five are old. Um, won the best blended whiskey in the world in 2012, which is phenomenal. And then we also won with Bands, um, Cat Mountain Whiskey, the single gram. We've won the best single gram in the world in 2013, which I think just creates the, the, the interest and the talkability around the brand. And also, I think putting South Africa out there as um, a, a, com- a, a country that actually does, um, should be taken seriously, that actually produce world class whiskey. Mm. How much whiskey do we produce in South Africa? Do you know? Um, a lot. <laughs> at, the, at the moment, we've got obviously the, the, the James Street Distillery is the biggest one in Wellington. That's where yeah. we produce three ships, um, whiskey, and also bangs. Okay. Um, from a volume point of view, what I do know is that we sell about in Africa in comparison to the imported um, European whiskies, um, 18% is local stuff that we actually are being consumed here. Okay, great. So if you aren't a whiskey drinker, why should you be? Why should you check it out, do you think? Um, at the moment, if you think about whiskey, I think what's also been happening over the past few years, if you have to compare it with different categories, it's always been this global aspiration, um, big field brand. Um, if, it, if you take um, all the heritage that's been bought and the equity that some of these brands have got in the marketplace, I think it's also the question that you've asked yet, but it's also consumers would like to be part of that culture. You know, how do you become part of that culture and how can I make it myself accessible? Um, First of all, there's a lot of evidence about about um, about health, and then the other thing is, it's a product that is matured for three years minimum period before you can call it a whiskey. So it's no flavour, no colour, nothing is, can be added to whiskey. So it's really pure, pure, pure. Mm. And I think also from all women being quite um, kilojoule conscious, I think that's maybe your best option to go with at the end of the day. Absolutely. A dash of water, some ice, and then also maybe some cider water. But you have consumers drinking it with um, appetizer. Um, very refreshing can be um, a tot of lime with cider water as well, with some things that can add um, um, orange and peel to that or lemon. 
it's a quite versatile drink and I think we'll just miss out if you actually don't discover your journey and actually start with something, you know, on it. Mm, absolutely. Has there been anything that's just sort of blown your socks off at the, at the festival that you've tasted perhaps one of the international brands? I, um, to be quite honest, I was only there on Wednesday night okay. and um, I was quite busy working down to own stand and I had to fly down to Captain yesterday again because um, we are... I'm using a new TV commercial um, on free ships, and I'm busy with that at the moment. So oh, cool. So I'm we'll keep our eyes out for that. Yes, I didn't have time to say anything else. I'm sorry. Not a problem. I think people must just get down to Whiskey Live in Santon this evening. Yes, it's the last evening. And check out yes. what the festival has got to offer. Liesl, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Keep well. Thank you very much. Thanks. That's Liesl Dippenau. She's the marketing manager of Three Ships Whiskey. And if you do want to go and check out the last night of Whiskey Live down in Santon, it's whiskeylivefestival.co.za. That's whiskeylivefestival.co.za. But in the meantime, there's a lot going on at one of our favorite spots in Derbs this month. It's the Playhouse Company, which is featuring four stimulating and widely acclaimed theater productions as part of a special November season to celebrate 20 years of democracy in South Africa. Well, Playhouse CEO and Artistic Director Linda Bugassini is on the line to give us a little rundown of each production and why she chose these specific theatre experiences to celebrate our 20 years of democracy. Linda, I hear you there. Hi. Hello, Kim. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very, very well. Tre treasure, my sister. We, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> we must come for a visit sometime soon. Linda, um, just, you've chosen four productions for the November season. Maybe just give us an idea of what the criteria was when you were looking at putting together the program for this month. Well, uh, there is a national call for all South Africans in all areas of life and work and uh, wherever they live and schools to celebrate the 20 years of democracy up until the 31st of March next year. And this is the call we are responding to through the creative work on stage, uh, artistic expressions on stage. So we selected a few uh, productions, one that, uh, three that are already existing and one that is created, that is new. So we worked with Aubrey Sikhaze, who's the artistic director and acting CEO of the State Theatre, is a production of Silent Voice. Uh, featuring a number of uh, very well-known uh, theater and cinema practitioners. Presley uh, was one of them. Uh, we are currently, uh, we just opened last night the year of the bicycle. It's uh, two, ki two kids uh, around the age of nine uh, reminiscing about their lives. One is white and one is black, and you can already tell that they are racial issues that come into play. Uh, the other one is Bhakti, a production, a dance production uh, choreographed by Lian Lourdes, featuring uh, the Playhouse Dance Residency as well as uh, Lian's own uh, Flatfoot Dance Company. But we also have music, music, live music on stage, Magdala Gunen and Vishen Kemraj. Uh, uh, and the idea here is to look at all different types of modern dance, contemporary dance, as well as music. So we've got Madala Gunene, an established Maskandi artist, as well as Vishen, who plays uh, 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 tabla uh, very uh, uh, proficiently. 
and uh, you've got different styles of dance. Some of it is Kathak, some of it is contemporary, some of it is ballet. And uh, we we wait to see uh, uh, on the 28th uh, of this month when they open what they've got in store. Uh, we cannot wait to see that. Then uh, we, we also have In Blood, a production um, that was created uh, uh, by Bulelwa Takata and Dilega Santi, who work with people with various forms of disabilities. Some of them uh, are blind, some of them cannot uh, hear, some of them are on crutches or wheelchairs. And they've come up with an amazingly touching uh, uh, production. And some of them are singing and dancing in, in spite of those very uh, different challenges. So uh, the criteria had to be you're South African, you want to celebrate uh, 20 years of democracy and highlight issues that are important. And we see uh, the t different types of uh, collaborations that are happening that speak to the new South Africa. Mm. I think that's a very important thing to to start incorporating or to maybe enhance in our creative design and our performance in music in South Africa is this idea of collaboration because really so much can be achieved and so much can be enriched through collaborating. Um, and so it's lovely to see that there is some collaborations here. So are each of these productions actually um, on for the whole of November or will people have to check out when exactly they're on and just catch the one or two nights that they might be? Well, we started with Silent Voice, which had five performances, unfortunately, because it's all happening in one month. Uh, there are very limited uh, performance dates. Right now, we have the Year of the Bicycle, which is playing right up until this Sunday. Then uh, again, followed by Bhakti, which starts next Thursday, right up until Sunday. And then followed by, uh, uh, sorry, I take that back. In Blood starts next Thursday, right, right up until the Sunday, followed by the dance production Bhakti. Okay. So people can pick and choose. I've seen... You know, uh, people came came last week for Silent Voice. Some of them are here to 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 uh, reminisce and and just soak in the spirit of uh, the drama that's unfolding on stage. Yes, I saw the Year of the Bicycle at the Grahamstown Festival. It really is quite a beautiful uh, performance and a really lovely experience. Yeah, it's very touching. It is, and uh, and you know, the beginning part of it is is quite witty. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's a lot of laughter, but, you know, maybe after about 20 minutes, you know, it starts then getting into a really um, realistic uh, side of who we are as South Africans mm. in our homes, in our communities. And those are the issues that the artistic communities bring up on stage for us, not only to just celebrate, because uh, some of them, it's not about celebrating. But it's reflecting back on how we have progressed or not progressed in, 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 in the current 20 years that mm. we are reflecting on. Linda, if people have missed uh, Silent Voice, do you know if it's heading off somewhere where, where they can go and catch it? Uh, I'm not sure okay. where it's going uh, further on, but people can contact the State Theatre and speak to uh, Mr. Sikhabe himself, Aubrey Sikhabe, and uh, he might have some good news for, for them. Fantastic. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm not aware of where it's going. 
okay. after this. Okay, but people can uh, get onto your website, theplayhousecompany.com, and check out uh, the timing, the schedule of each of those productions if they want to catch it in yes, November. Not only that, though, we've got a, a you know a fantastic lineup for December as well. We've got a spectacular. Uh, we've got Alan McElroy, who is very well known. Uh, we've got a production uh, for young people called Skunk Pomery. We've got a Maskandi concert, fantastic. We've got Madala Gunen again, Puzekemisi, Iingane Zoma, and Matosini, quite a, a brilliant lineup. And then we'll end uh, with a spectacular uh, production uh, where we have. Uh, a mass choir of more than 200 voices on stage. We've got Judith Sipoma, uh, the likes of Tim Molloy, and men, many more. There's the orchestra, we've got dancers, we've got uh, uh, quite a wide variety of things. We've got trapeze on stage celebrating Christmas. It, it's going to be quite special and spectacular. So all those Gautengas who come to Durban uh, in December, please prepare yourselves to come and have a feast uh, for your eyes and your, your ears and your heart and mind and come and celebrate with us jam-packed and certainly a feast it sounds wonderful i'm sure we'll get you back on to hear a little bit more about your december productions thank you so much for joining us thank Linda. you so very much kim for your time and have a blessed day you too Bye. That, that was ceo linda bocassini she is with the playhouse company and if you want any information on any of those productions that you heard the the four that are happening in november uh, especially in celebration of 20 years of democracy or you want to know what's going on in december if you're going down to derbs then visit playhousecompany.com that's playhousecompany.com otherwise on SAFM you are listening to Otherwise, the women's show here on SAFM. Well, moving on with the women's show here on uh, SAFM. The Joburg Photo Umbrella is the first public photography-specific program in the city of Johannesburg to bring together and network a wide range of photographic content, exhibitions, activities, and dialogue. Dahlia Mabane is a photographer, and she's a multimedia designer. And as part of the Joburg Photo Umbrella, Dahlia has proposed to exhibit an ongoing body of her work t- entitled Waza Sisi, exploring a exploring a group of women working as street hairstylists at Cag Street Market in Johannesburg and we have Dahlia on the line. Hi Dahlia. Hi, how are you Kate? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good, it sounds like you're perhaps on Cag Street at the moment. <laughs> Somewhere around Coast Street. Not so far. Brilliant. Can you hear me properly? I can, I can. It's absolutely fine. So, so was a sissy? Is an ongoing uh, body of work that you're doing on Coast Street? Just tell us where it where it all started. Um. Well, it started this project that um, was a sissy. I started in 2012. Um. Well, it was just me walking around Johannesburg City. Um, I used to stay in Brixton, so I'd come to town. And then I just realized, like, a whole lot of these street women stylists is positioned randomly. Not randomly, but, like, in intersections. Every intersection is, like, from north up until street. So I was like, wow, it's so interesting. And, I would, like, they're also, like, in different cliques. So I just wanted to, like, find out more about it. So that's what intrigued me. So at first I started, like, photographing um, at north, just, take, just seeing them, like, in their space. And then it just progressed from there. And then for the Joburg Photo Umbrella, I proposed to just focus on the Gap Street Market because they're also based there. Um, yeah, 
That's okay. why that's where it started. And and was the title of the of the body of work? Why that? Oh, was the Everybody knows that I've walked past town. It's been not on harassed by them, but they always like call or lure the clients by saying was the CC, was the CC every time. Okay. Um, so I thought it fit because it's a very playful title. And I think the minute um, you say was the CC, you know who I'm talking about. Mm. If you walk around town and you're here at town, you'd know. Yeah, you, you'll know, and you know that the the women are calling on to their customers to come and use their services. But yes. so there's a visibility there um, that the women really are after. But as a photographer, you have to be somewhat invisible. Was it easy yes. to do that on Cack Street? And was it were, you, were these women open um, for you to be around and, and photographing? Um. Well, it was difficult at first, and I'm very shy. I'm a very shy person. Um, so at first, I had to like introduce myself. I didn't go as a photographer. I think um, what for like people artists, we just go there and then come with a camera. You know, you need to introduce yourself as Danielle, <laughs> yes, as a human being, just trying to relate to yes. them and then try explain the project. So that's what I did. Um, and then they, well, some of them were like, no, <laughs> like okay, I'll move on to the next. But I think as soon as you find one that's gonna like allow you to photograph them, um, the rest will just follow. So what I did is to, just to keep them, um, like allow me to photograph them. I'll print images that I've taken from the previous shoot. So that whole exchange, that I'm also happy to get free images. So that's how I kept it. But I mean, I, then they warmed up to the whole idea. And I think when I told them that I would be designing business cards for them, um, they did let me into their space or let them me photograph them, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So there really is a real exchange between you and these businesswomen. Yes, yes, yes. I think um, as a photographer as well, it's like it's very hard to just go in the space and then just leave afterwards, you know, without making much of a difference. So I think that's my part. Yes. <laughs> of saying thank you for participating. Um, and I also I think with the Global Forum umbrella, one of the aims was that um, to work with the community and that there's some some sort of like exchange between you and the community that you're working with. Okay, right. So how are the photographs going to be displayed or installed as a part of Photo Umbrella? Oh, wow, um, they look beautiful. I just saw them today. Oh, yes. um, they're like poster format, so they print like they look like exterior um, posters that you find for events. So they're quite big, like eight to five. Um, and then they're going to be put up on by the food court um, and also on the metal structures, um, the steel structures by the market. Oh, so it's like 25 images in total. They look very brilliant. Brilliant. So when are they actually going up? So I'm going to wake up very early in the morning, but they'll be up for the public to come view from 10 o'clock in the morning and up until late, um, around 6 o'clock. And unfortunately, it's just one day. Um, but it'll be interesting to find out if I'll leave them there, where would they end up? Yeah, yeah, um. <laughs> very interesting, indeed. Yeah. So, okay, so it's only going up for one day. I guess yeah. my two my two questions then is, where are they going to go afterwards, and why is this an ongoing body of work? Are you going to continue to photograph these women and in in Cag Street? Yes, yeah, so um, I think afterwards I'm not quite sure. But I mean, I'm open to anything. Mm. But I mean, um, the reason why it's ongoing is that I'd also like to explore different spaces. Um, and like I said in the beginning, it was just like through North Street, North to Bree, um, and then Gerg Street. And also like different, because I'm from Mafiking, and I'd love to see how the environment is there, well, that space. Well, they are there by the taxi rent at Mafiking. So I'd really like to explore like um, different locations. 
across the country. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a very different thing to actually have photographs um, exhibited outside and in a public space. I mean, it must be quite mm. a cool project to be a part of as a photographer. Yes, yes. I, I mean, as well, for me, it's like, Normally, when um, when you've done a project, you want to exhibit it like in a gallery. So, I mean, ha taking it back to the people. I mean, you could, tomorrow I'm envisioning they'll be there. Obviously, hopefully, the weather is good to us, mm -hmm. um, and then they'll be there and they can just see themselves and it'll be interested to see how the public as well, the clients, would respond to those images. Stunning. So, Thanks. just where where again do people need to go if they want to see these images? So it's by Kerk Street Market in Johannesburg, CBD. Um, it's Kerk and Elo. Okay. And Kerk and so if they know Jetmart, I can't see Jetmart right. So but then it's close to the court. Um, by Street Market. Okay, stunning. So I'm going to give out the workshop, uh, the website, I think, of Market Photo Workshop, which I think has the and project. And also photoumbrella.coza. Photoumbrella.coza. Yes. Stunning. Talia, best of luck with the work, and please do continue keeping it up, and we'll get you back on the show, I'm sure, sometime to chat through the next installment. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thanks, Talia. Keep well. That's Dalia Mabane. She is a photographer and multimedia designer, and her images are going up as part of Johannesburg Photo Umbrella, and you can check it all out on the market, photoworkshop.co.za or the Photo Umbrella website.